we are starting a new series this week. I'm excited about this because it's just going to unpack who we are as a church. The DNA of Crestview. What is Crestview all about? And I want you over the next few weeks to get an understanding um, of just the Crestview way. Who are we and what are we about? Um, and today I, I've learned a few things about DNA. I don't know if you knew this or not, but April 25th is actually National DNA Day. I know, cards and everything, right? We should be, so, no, I'm, I'm, there really is a day like that. I didn't realize that, but we don't need to celebrate it. Um, anyway, I didn't know this. You know, we are, we are very, very similar. We all have heads, we all have hearts, we all have kidneys, you know, things we need to live. We all have same things. Most of us have arms and legs, 10 fingers, 10 toes. Some of you might be missing one of those, I know, right? But we all have the basic same makeup, but our DNA is different. But this is what I learned. Only 0.5% of our DNA is different. 99.5% of our DNA is even the same. It's only that small fraction that, that makes us different, but it does make all of us different. And I believe this is kind of the same with the church. Uh, God-fearing, Bible-believing church at some level is pretty much across the board the same. Now it's when you start breaking the church down, you start looking at details that you find out that there's some differences. There's some things that aren't the same within that. And what are those differences? What makes us different than other churches? Now here's one as well for us. We exist to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus. This would be a statement that Crestview makes. This is what we would call our mission statement, our purpose statement. This is what we're all about when we talk about Crestview. This is why we exist. Now, I would say that most churches about like us would have something similar. Maybe it's worded just a little bit different. Maybe um, they just rearrange the words. I don't know. But pretty much at some level, this is why most churches exist. But we got to break it down a little further then. What is it beyond this? Today, we're going to talk about a word called discover. And you're going to hear some of these words over the next few weeks, discover. We want to help people discover who Christ is. This is a big thing for us, discovery of Jesus. And you can find a new way to discover God every single day. Every single day, you can have a new discovery about him. And we want others that don't know him to come to know him. Discovery is a big deal. So this is what I want to do with us. 1 Peter 3.15, it teaches us, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks who ask you to give the reason for the hope that, that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Instead of just jumping in and you know, blasting somebody with, with what you believe, how do you do it with gentleness and respect? How do you go about this? How do you treat people? How do you tell them? How do you help them discover who Jesus is? So this is a setting. This is where I want us to be today. Let's just, let's just say that we've got a coffee table. You're sitting down with somebody having a drink. You're, you're at a coffee shop somewhere. Maybe you're at your kitchen table. Guys, I think we can do this if, if we're out hunting, if we're out fishing. We can draw this in the dirt. Uh, most of you, hopefully you got one when you came in. If you didn't, um, we have some more on, on the tables on either side, just a napkin. I want to share with you how to share Christ with one verse on a napkin. So hopefully you haven't blown your nose in this yet and you can still use it. If you have yours, I'd love for you to get it out. And I'm going to walk you through in one verse how to do this. Now I get it. Some of you might be thinking, why do we have to do this? Can't we just let God sort it out? I mean, isn't he just a big God? Can't, can't we just do our thing, let everybody else live their life? I have my faith, you have your faith. We'll let God sort it out at the end. He's a good God. We can get there, you know. But what if we don't share the good news? What, what if we don't share the good news 
with somebody. I think two things can happen on this. I think there's two problems that can arise. One, somebody might think there's a good God out there, but then something bad happens in their life. And if something bad happens in their life, they don't then trust in a good God. They start to lose faith in a good God because something bad happened to them. And we gotta tell them bad things are gonna happen. It still means that there's a good God though. That God is still good even if something bad happens in your life. And you can overcome that and he's there to help you overcome. We still have to tell them the good news. Um, here's the other thing. If we just teach people that there's a good God, oftentimes what happens is people will start to live and believe that all I have to do is be good. And if all I have to do is be good to match a good God, then I'll be okay, right? Well, no, there's a problem with that. Um, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And if we just let people believe that all they have to do is be good to get to heaven, it won't work because we can't be good enough. We have to be forgiven. And this is the good news they have to hear. This is what we have to be able to teach people and tell them, help them discover who this good God is. So um, I think this diagram, what I'm gonna share with you is first um, drawn by a guy by the name of Randy Raysbrook from Navigators. It's a college ministry and they do a great job of evangelism and teaching. And this is something that, that I've taken from them, but I think it explains it well. One verse, Romans chapter six, verse 23. So if you're sitting down with somebody and you have a chance to share this with them, you get to talking about um, your faith and what's going on. And you can remember this verse. I think it's an easy one to, to memorize, but I would love for you to write this at the top of your napkin. If you would do this, Romans chapter six, verse 23. And at some level, it's all right. I'm going to get to this towards the end. If you mess it up, Romans 23, verse six or 36, verse two or something, if you can go back and look later, but get this verse down. I think this is an important one. If you'd write this at the top for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you, did, if you miss the napkin and you have your bulletin, write it on the back here. I want you guys to practice this. This is why we gave these to you. I want you to practice um, this today so you can do this later. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you're thinking, I can't memorize this. I think you will. By the time I get done with the illustration, it'll help you get this down. So this is what we need to do. On The first big word that I see in this sentence is wages. So if you'd circle the word wages, and then put it over on the left-hand side, right underneath your verse, towards the top of that, the left-hand side of your little napkin there, put the word wages. So what do you think of? What do you think of when you think of the word wages? Some of you think, I don't, do, I don't make enough of that. I need more of that. Some of you might be thinking, yeah, I'm doing pretty good in that area. Some of you might be... Um, thinking the first time you got something in return. Well, that's, that's what a wage is. You did something and somebody gave you something in return for what you did. I can remember the first time it happened for me. It was probably a snowy day like this. Um, we had a snowstorm this, this last week. We got some snow and I was out shoveling. As a kid, I shoveled my neighbor's walk, um, driveway and sidewalk and she came out and gave me a $20 bill. I mean, this was a long time ago and I was a kid. I was like the richest dude in town. I mean, I didn't know where I was gonna spend that $20. I didn't think I could ever spend that much money. It was amazing, I loved it. I kept shoveling the rest of the day, you know, hoping I'd get that again from other neighbors. I went, this is, this is great, so much money for just shoveling some snow. And the next house I did, I got a thank you. 
You know, that was it. And then when I told my dad, he said, no, you got to take that $20 back to her. That was way too much for you. And she wouldn't take it. Um, so I had to shovel her sidewalk the rest of the winter for free, <laughs> right? That's the way that works. What did you do as a kid or what was the first job you had that you did something and in return, you got a payment for it? You got a wage, that's what a wage is. You get something in return for something that you have done. Well, as we look at this, we see the next big word. It's not a big word. It's actually a small word, but the next big word in this sentence is sin. If you would circle the word sin and then write it underneath the word wages like this, sin. What do you think of when you think of the word sin? Maybe you think of something that you hope no one ever finds out about you. Maybe you think of somebody else's sin. <laughs> like I can tell you their sin and their sin and their sin. All right, what sin? Well, there's some sin that's defined in the Bible. It's pretty clear that's a sin and that's a sin. We can pinpoint it. And sometimes as Christians, we're too good at that. Pinpointing and poking at it and, and saying that. How do you define it though? How do you define sin? Sometimes sin is hard to define and sometimes we have to work at it. So here's, for me, the best illustration that, that I have found on this one. And I remember this. I was, um, uh, was a little bit older, um, but still a kid, still, still young, and flipping through the channels one day trying to find something to watch. And nothing was really good on TV, but I stopped at the Animal Channel. And I don't know why this caught my attention. I think at first there were some bears and they were fishing. And these bears were fishing and catching fish. And I thought this was exciting. And then the next scene was a big bird. It's like an eagle flying over the water. And this eagle was getting ready to fish and um, getting lunch. And it saw something in the water. So it took a nosedive down into the water. Claws first, reached down in the water, grabbed this fish. And up out of the water it came. And it was an awesome sight. And I was so excited. This big old fish. Uh, sorry, these big old fish and this big old bird flying out of the water. And this bird was just flapping its wings and it was gaining altitude and it was just trying really hard and all this water falling off of it. And it was an amazing scene. And then all of a sudden it leveled off and then it started to lose altitude. And now I'm getting excited. I'm like, dude, what are you going to do? I'm yelling at the TV, right? Let go of the dumb fish, right? You'll be and it zooms in and you can actually see the claws of this bird trying to let go of the fish and it can't let go. And pretty soon, boom, they both hit the water and die. And you're thinking, wow, this is great, Pastor. I'm glad I came today. This is so encouraging and uplifting. What are you talking about? Why does that, what does that have to do with sin? Sin, I think for us, sometimes we, uh, we see something over there that we like. It's gonna feel good, it's gonna be nice. And that's sin. If it didn't feel good, if it wasn't fun, we would, it'd be easier to say no to it, right? But we jump in and we grab onto it. And we look around and we start to notice that I'm doing okay. No one notices. I'm going to get away with this. So we do it a little bit more. And pretty soon life just levels off. And pretty soon the sin in our life, it starts to bring us down. And we're not sure why. Why? Why is my life not going the way it used to? What's happening? Well, we realize, oh, it's that sin. It's that sin in my life. And we try and let go of it. And we can't. We just, it just hangs on. We can't let go of it. And if we can't get rid of it pretty soon, crash, we hit the water and we all die. And we have to ask the question, this, do I have a hold of sin? 
or does sin have a hold of me? We've got to figure out something or else it leads to this next point. And this next big word in this sentence is death. If you would circle the word death and then write it underneath the word sin as well. Death. Now, some sin can actually lead to a physical death. This is true. Some things you can do so much in your life that it leads to death and you actually die a physical death because of your sin. But this isn't the death that I'm talking about. Oftentimes, the death that we get because of our sin is a separation. It's a separation from those that we love. It leads us to relational death or emotional death or spiritual death. And the people that we love, it builds this barrier between us and we can't overcome that. And if it's sin in our life, then it's a separation from God. Sin um, can do that. Steve talked about it up here. We sang about it. Just this idea that God and sin can't be together and God's going to take it over someday. But if we keep bringing it back into our lives, it brings a separation between us and God and it leads us to death. There's a pretty important word in this sentence and it might not be the word that you're thinking is the most important word. It might not be the most important, but this is pretty important and it's the next big one for me. It's the word, but. If you would circle the word, but in this sentence and write it down at the bottom, gentlemen, one T only um, on this word. Sorry, that's for some of us less mature than others um, in the room. Um, But aren't you glad that there is not a period after the word death The wages of sin is death, comma, but it's a word of hope. It's a word of excitement. It's a word that should just get us excited to say, yes, yay. It's not death that we get to. There's something more. And and we've earned something. Because we've all sinned, we've earned death, but there's something better to come. And if you'd circle the word gift and then write it over on the right-hand side of the page, gift, What do you think of when you think of the word gift? Maybe maybe what you got for Christmas, right? Just maybe what you get for your birthday. Maybe what happens at the time, maybe something you got to give to somebody else. Gifts, it's a fun thing. What, What do you have to do? Here's the important piece of this. What do you have to do on your birthday to receive a gift from someone? Nothing. If you did something for that, what would it be called? A wage, that's right. If you worked for it, if you did something for it, it would be called a wage, but it's a gift because somebody gives it to you freely. And what we get comes from God. If you would circle the word God on this verse, in this verse, and write God underneath gift, God. What do you think of when I say the word God? Can I... Can I say this, that I think this is the most important thing that you think about. What you think about when you think about God is the most important thing that you'll ever think about. Who is God to you? And what kind of gifts does he give? He is the best gift giver. He gives us great gifts. And if you've noticed this, I don't know if you've caught onto this yet, the opposite of wages is gift. The opposite of sin is God. God and sin can't coexist, they can't come together. He can't be a part of that. God is the opposite of that and God gives us a great gift and what he gives us is the opposite of death. So if you would circle eternal life 
And I often just put E-L um, in that spot right under God, eternal life. What he gives us is more than just life. You see, the opposite of death in our minds oftentimes is life. God gives us more than life. He gives us eternal life. It's something that goes beyond what we have here. Even when we die here, we can continue to live with him because his gift is more amazing than anything we can give to each other. He is the best gift giver and he gives us that life. Here's a problem that I see in this though. I don't know all of you, but I know some of you and I know me and I know something about all of you even if I don't know you. We're a bunch of sinners. We just are, we've done it, we've sinned and because of our sin, we've earned something. We've earned death. So if you would, just, just draw a line down the middle of that. Um, we're, we're separated from God. I just drew a line right down the middle. And because of my sin, I've earned a wage. That wage that I've earned is death. And I'm stuck over on this left-hand side of the page. And if I'm going to be over here, i got to figure out a way to get from sin over to God. So if you draw a line from sin over to God, you'll see how it can happen. And how it happens is with the few words remaining in this verse, Christ Jesus, if you would circle that, and oftentimes I just put JC on that cross. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross that gives us the ability to be forgiven of our sins and to receive the gift that God gives us, which is eternal life through him. And it's taking then that, that comment, our Lord, to making him your Lord. And that's how he becomes your Lord. You know, the, the thing that um, disturbs me most about this simple little illustration here, the thing that, that I have the hardest time with on this, and I've heard some of these statistics before, is that 70 to 80% of believers people who have discovered this, people who do know this, who understand this and believe in this, 70, 80% will never share it with someone else. Guys, we gotta do better than that. If you understand this, if you believe this, if you know this, then you gotta practice this. You gotta try it, you gotta help someone else discover who Christ is. You're the ones that have this ability to be able to do this, to share this with someone else. And I get it, there's reasons behind why, right? You don't wanna be turned down, you don't wanna be, um, lose a friend, you don't wanna offend somebody, so you're scared, and fear comes into this. Fear is a part of this. Maybe you don't know enough, and you're thinking, I'm afraid because I don't know enough. Devin, what, what if, what if they ask me about the dinosaurs? Right, and what happened, what if they ask me about how many children Abraham had or if, if um, Adam had a belly button? What am I gonna say if they ask me those hard questions of the Bible like that? I don't know enough, right? Here's, let me give you your answer. Here's your answer. If you are doing this and you get a question that you don't know, here's your answer, ready? I don't know. You can write that one down even, it's a good, it's a good answer. I don't know but I do know that the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. Yeah, but what about this and what about that? I don't know. We can call my pastor tomorrow if you want to um, and, and he won't know either. He'll have to look it up, all right? You can say that. But I do know that the wages of sin is death 
And I know I'm a sinner and I know you're a sinner. And if we don't do something about this, we're gonna die. But if we believe in who Jesus is and what he's done for us, we can get this gift from God. That's what I do know. If you just keep going back to that, here's the beauty of this. The power is not in the presentation. Don't worry about the presentation. I guarantee you will mess this up, okay? How do I know that? Because I've messed it up. I've done this with some of you. Some of you are here today because you've sat in my office or we've been somewhere and I've shared this with you. I've shared this before and I've messed it up. Circled the wrong word, I put the wrong thing down, I did the illustration before I was supposed to. Some of you are thinking, I haven't seen that show about the bird, what am I supposed to say about that? Should I make something up? What do I do in this? Yes, you just, you just do it. You make it yours, you make it real, you make it your story, and you try, and you mess up. And I've seen this happen. God, the, the power's not in the presentation, the power's in the word. The power is in the word of God. If your presentation messes up, <laughs> you haven't messed up the word of God. And God can still use that to change somebody's life if you just give it a shot. So here's the deal, I, I believe this. Some of you need to discover. Some of you need to discover Christ first. Maybe this illustration is the first time you've heard it put this way and you've never taken that step, this is a step that you're thinking, I, I haven't done that yet. This is one I need to do. I haven't gone to that. I haven't made that step over. How do, how do I make that work? Maybe for you today, discovery is the first thing you need to do. If that's the case, and I would love to talk to you. When, when we sing this next song, um, after the service, whenever it is, come and find me, come and talk to me. I want to share who Jesus is to you. And I want to make that connection so that you can receive that gift that God has given all of us in him. However, though, for some of you, you need to share this. You've got a story to tell and there's somebody else that needs to discover who Christ is. And it's up to you to be able to do this. Now there's other steps, there's other things as we go through what's next after this, what's next after that. Don't worry about those steps, we'll get there together. We're here as a team. I'll help you work through that with somebody if you can make it to this point with them. Maybe you need to help somebody else discover who Christ is. So we did this this last summer. Um, inside the chair pocket somewhere in front of you, there should be a little white card. And I asked you this last year um, to take this card and write somebody's name on there that needs to find out about Jesus, that needs to discover who he is. And I ask you to do this. I ask you to, to carry it around with you. Put it in your wallet. Put it somewhere where you can get to it. And gentlemen, I said, you know, if you carry it around your wallet, every time you get it out to pay for something or do something, you have this card and you have somebody's name written down on there and you're praying for that person. Ladies, maybe, maybe it's in your purse or nightstand or mirror in the bathroom somewhere at work. Who is it? Who do you have in your heart who has God placed in your heart that you need to share this illustration with? If you haven't done that yet, if you haven't written somebody's name down, I would encourage you, write somebody's name down. If you have, get your card back out. Pray about them. Maybe you've thought of somebody else that needs to go on your card. Write, write that person's name. If you've lost it, there's another one for you. I'd love for you to take one of these, write somebody's name down that needs to hear this illustration right here, and then bless them. And you can write this down the side of the card if you need to. Um, bless, begin with prayer. 
begin to pray for them. Just pray for them in general, for their life to get better, for a chance for you to talk to them, for God to arrange a time where you guys can come together. Do this next, just listen to them. Listen to them before you give this illustration. Don't just call them and say, hey, I've got something to share with you. <laughs> listen to them because it might help you understand how to share this illustration with them. They might give you some insight of what's, what's going on so you can give some personal details to it. The next one is eat with them. As you bless them, B-L-E, eat with them. Man, you can find out a lot by sitting across the table from somebody sharing a meal. Jesus did it a lot. Share a meal with them, eat with them. Next is to serve them. Serve them. Many of you know this statement. Um, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Our youth group studied this this last week at, at um, youth group on Wednesday night. Show that you care about them by serving them, doing something for them. And then share your story. I know stories, what's written up there, share. Next, give them your story. Tell them your story. Then you can share this with them. Who is it that you're writing down that you can share your story with them? Some of you need to hear it. Some of you need to share it. And here's why I think we need to share it. Um, and I want to I close with this idea. And this isn't a story out of the Bible. It's just a little story. Um, it's kind of made up, but I think it, it makes a good point and it teaches us what Jesus maybe went through. Just picture with me this. Jesus came, he was here with us. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave and he spent some time with some people um, a few days and then he went to heaven. And I can imagine this scene. Jesus is now in heaven preparing a place for us and all the angels gather around and they're all excited. Jesus, yay, you did it. You're here. How, how are you doing? How are you feeling? He said, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to make it. Every, everything went okay and they're all excited. Jesus, and they all know, right? You did it. You told everybody about you, didn't you? That was awesome. You did it. And he goes, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I told some people. And the angels kind of stop and look back. What, didn't you tell everyone? Said, well, no, I didn't. I didn't tell everyone. I told Peter and James and John. And there were about a dozen dudes that hung out together. You know, we were all together. And I told them. And there were some other people that followed. Um, that, that were part of that, and, and we followed together, and they listened. And you could just hear the silence, you know, creeping in with all these angels, and they're getting nervous, and they're like, what, what do you mean? You only told a few people? He goes, yeah, yeah, that's the plan. I, I told a few people, and then I told them to tell a few people, and I told them to tell a few people, and again, it got quiet until that one angel, you know, the one that opens mouth, inserts foot all the time, you know, couldn't last any longer. said, that's it? That's it? And Jesus said, yeah, I'm counting on them. I'm counting on them. He's counting on you. That's what he's saying. He's counting on you. We are those people. We are those people that need to tell other people about him. To help others discover who he is and what he's done. He's counting on us to tell someone else so that they can tell someone else so that they can tell someone else about who he is and what he's done for us and the gift that he is to us from God. If you would, let's stand together and let's sing. 
Let's sing about how good of a father he is to us, what he's done for us, and how excited we can be to share this with somebody else.